0: As we continue to read the New Testament chronologically, today we'll be looking at the Gospels, accounts in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This is the new King James Version of the podcast. The King James Version is also available. So today we're reading Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 to 56, Mark chapter 14, verses 32 to 52, Luke chapter 22, verses 39 through 53, and John chapter 18, verses 1 through 12. So here's where we are with regard to Jesus' ministry. Jesus is, at the beginning of our passage, still addressing the Twelve on the eve of his crucifixion, which began back in John chapter 13. And they arrive in Gethsemane, where Jesus was taken for trial and subsequent crucifixion. Our first section of scriptures: Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 to 46, Mark chapter 14, verses 32 to 42. Luke chapter 22, verses 39 to 46, and John chapter 18, verse 1. Matthew twenty six thirty six. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, nevertheless not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, What, could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again a second time he went away and prayed, saying, O my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away again, and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then he came to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand." Now we go over to Mark's account, beginning in Mark chapter 14, verse 32. Then they came to a place which was named Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James, and John with him, and he began to be troubled and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch. He went a little farther and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, "'Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will.' Then he came and found them sleeping and said to Peter, "'Simon, are you sleeping? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak.' Again he went away and prayed and spoke the same words. And when he returned, he found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy.' and they did not know what to answer him. Then he came the third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? It is enough. The hour has come. Behold, the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Now we go and look at Luke's account, beginning Luke chapter 22, verse 39. Coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives, as he was accustomed, and his disciples also followed him. When he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. When he rose up from prayer and had come to his disciples he found them sleeping from sorrow. Then he said to them, "Why do you sleep? Rise and pray lest you enter into temptation." In John's gospel, John just gives this section one verse and we read that in John chapter 18 verse 1. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples over the book Kidron, where there was a garden which he and his disciples entered. Jesus heads from the supper to the Garden of Gethsemane. You'll notice from John chapter 18, verse 1, that this is not the same occasion where Jesus prayed in John chapter 17. All the disciples went to the garden, but Matthew and Mark report that Jesus only took three of them, Peter, James, and John, closer to the place in the garden where he prayed. It's worth noting that these disciples could not remain awake while Jesus prayed. These are disciples who, just a few hours later, had proclaimed that they'd be willing to die for Jesus if necessary, back in Matthew 26, verses 31 to 35, Mark fourteen, twenty-seven to 31, Luke 22, 31 to 34, and John thirteen thirty-six to 38. So they'd die for him if necessary. But here's the question. Can you stay awake for Jesus? I think there's a lesson here. The test of discipleship is, first of all, obeying and following Jesus in the small things first. Matthew, Mark, and Luke record the same comment by Jesus when he implies that the temptation to betrayal can be offset by prayer, not by sleeping. Many believers today are quick to declare the sacrifice that they'd be willing to make for the sake of Christ. But here's the question. Are you making the little sacrifices that demonstrate your love for Jesus Christ right now? Peter, James, and John were admonished three times to watch and pray, but they failed to do so. Is it any surprise, therefore, that they were also unwilling to stand with Jesus during his trials later on that night? If Jesus is God, and of course he is, then why is he praying? Well, the answer is to be found in Philippians chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. Here's what the Apostle Paul says there he's speaking of christ when he says but made himself of no reputation taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death even the death of the cross at this point in time jesus had emptied himself of his attributes of deity he communicated with god in heaven just as we do The subject of the prayer is this, is there any way to redeem the world without dying on the cross? And the answer to that is, no, there is not. It's an intense prayer, to the point that Luke, the physician, records his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Luke's reference to blood here must mean that the sweat dripping from Jesus was in such a quantity that it was similar to blood dripping from a wound. Yet the disciples slept through that whole ordeal. A couple more observations are interesting here. John gives no detail regarding the prayer activities in Gethsemane. In fact, he was one of the sleepers in the garden. Perhaps he did not witness very much there. Luke, on the other hand, is the only one to report that an angel came and ministered to Jesus there during his prayer. Luke received his eyewitness account from one or more of the other disciples at a later date. Apparently, all of the disciples could see Jesus praying as much as Luke reports that they were only a stone's throw away. Peter, James, and John, of course, were closer. By the way, we have seen Jesus gather these three disciples together for special events before. A year or so later, when Jesus went to the house of Jairus to resurrect his daughter, in Matthew chapter 9, Mark 5, Luke 8, he only allowed these three of his disciples to accompany him into the house. Then again, the Transfiguration in Matthew 17, Mark 9, and Luke 9—only these three of Jesus' disciples were allowed to witness that miracle. It's obvious that these three men had been selected for Jesus' leadership team among the twelve disciples. Next, we read from Matthew chapter 26, verses 47 to 50; Mark chapter 14, verses 43 to 46; Luke chapter 22, verses 47 and 48. In John chapter 18, verses 2 through 9. First, Matthew 26, verse 47. We see here that the temple crowd shows up. And while he was still speaking, behold, Judas, one of the twelve with a great multitude with swords and clubs, came from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now his betrayer had given them a sign, saying, Whomever I kiss, he is the one, seize him. Immediately he went up to Jesus and said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. But Jesus said to him, Friend, why have you come? Then they came and laid hands on Jesus and took him. Now Mark's account in Mark chapter 14, beginning with verse 43. And immediately, while he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, with a great multitude with swords and clubs, came from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. Now his betrayer had given them a signal, saying, Whomever I kiss, he is the one. Seize him and lead him away safely. As soon as he had come, immediately he went up to him and said to him, Rabbi, Rabbi, and kissed him. Then they laid their hands on him and took him. Now Luke's account, just two verses in Luke 22, verse 47. And while he was still speaking, behold, a multitude, and he who was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before them and drew near to Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, "'Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss?' And then finally John, in John chapter 18, beginning in verse 2. "'And Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. Then Judas, having received a detachment of troops and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons.' Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him, went forward and said to them, Whom are you seeking? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. And Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with them. Now, when he had said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Then he asked them again, Whom are you seeking? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. Therefore, if you seek me, let these go their way, that the saying might be fulfilled which he spoke, of those whom you gave me I have lost none. So John identifies the crowd here in verse 3 when he says, Then Judas, having received a detachment of troops and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. We see in John chapter 18, verse 2, that Judas anticipated that Jesus would go there because he'd done so on previous occasions. You'll recall from Luke 22, verses 3 through 6, that the agreement with Judas was that he take them to the place where Jesus uh, was away from the multitude, so they could take him without the notice of the common people. This isolated location in the garden was that opportunity to betray Jesus. Quite a crowd shows up to capture Jesus. John records and says a detachment of troops and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees came with lanterns, torches, and weapons. This angry crowd there, taking no chances. Judas does the betraying, but John records that Jesus freely and openly acknowledges that he is the one for whom they are looking. John records that Jesus shields the other disciples from danger in verses 8 and 9. He notes that Jesus did so in order to fulfill his own previous words found in John chapter 17, verse 12, where back then he prayed, While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me, I have kept, and none of them is lost except the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Both Matthew and Mark report that Judas addresses Jesus as rabbi, That's the transliteration of the Greek word rabbi. This was a general title of respect and honor frequently used to acknowledge a person's accomplishments in interpreting the Jewish scriptures. Matthew records in verse 50 that Jesus addresses Judas when he says, friend, why have you come? The term friend that Jesus uses here is is used to characterize Jesus' reference to Judas. It's not the usual philos, that's the word for friend that you usually find, It's used phyllos is for indicating affection between two people. Instead, Jesus refers to Judas as heteros, which simply means comrade or associate. We should observe that while all the disciples of Jesus did flee from Jesus that night, that Jesus did, in fact, encourage them to do so in verse 8 of John chapter 18. When it says this, Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he, therefore, if you seek me, let these go their way. That brings us to our next section of Scripture in Matthew 26, verses 51 to 56, Mark chapter 14, verses 47 to 52, Luke chapter 22, verses 49 to 53, and John chapter 18, verses 10 through 12. First, Matthew 26:51. And suddenly one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. But Jesus said to him, Put your sword in its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Or do you think that I cannot now pray to the Father, and he will provide me with more than twelve legions of angels? How then could the Scriptures be fulfilled that it must happen thus? In that hour Jesus said to the multitudes, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to take me? I sat daily with you in teaching of the temple, and you did not seize me. But all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. Now over to Mark chapter 14, beginning in verse 47. And one of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to take me? I was daily with you in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me. But the scriptures must be fulfilled. Then they all forsook him and fled. Now, a certain young men followed him, having a linen cloth thrown around his naked body, and the young men laid hold of him, and he left the linen cloth and fled from them naked. Now, Luke's account in Luke 22, beginning in verse 49 When those around him saw what was going to happen, they said to him, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. But Jesus answered and said, Permit even this. And he touched his ear and healed him. Then said Jesus to the chief priests, captains of the temple, and the elders who had come to him, Have you come out as against the robber with swords and clubs? When I was with you daily in the temple, you did not try to seize me, but this is your hour and the power of darkness. Then finally, John's account in John chapter 18, beginning in verse 10. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into the sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my father has given me? Then the detachment of troops and the captain and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. So here we see that Judas does the betrayal deed. But Peter takes a sword and lops off the ear of the high priest's servant. His name was Malchus, and that's recorded in John 18.10. Jesus returns the ear to its place and declares that his betrayal and capture are part of the divine plan. It's curious that only John records the actual name of the ear lopper. Matthew 26.56 is an eye-opener regarding Jesus' disciples, the ones who had earlier proclaimed that they would die for Jesus when that verse says... Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. Mark says the same in verse 50. It's just most interesting to note that Matthew makes reference to himself. He was one of those disciples when he records these words in verse 56. Jesus points out to the angry mob, the mob with swords and clubs, how unnecessary it is for them to take him with this seemingly overwhelming force. Only Matthew makes a point to link Jesus' passive surrender to Old Testament prophecy when he says in verse 56, But all this was done, that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. David, Isaiah, and others had recorded prophecies concerning the suffering Messiah. There was simply no other way. We should take notice of the fact that Peter was willing to fight to the death with Jesus here. The sword-ear incident demonstrates that fact. Peter wasn't, however, prepared to passively stand there and surrender. Add to that the fact that Jesus requests that his disciples be allowed to leave without harm in John chapter 18, verse 8, and you can see why Peter's denial at this point wasn't such a glaring incident. However, later that night when Jesus was on trial before Annas and Caiaphas in Matthew chapter 26, verses 57 to 75, uh, and Mark 14:53 to 72, Luke 22:54 to 65, and John 18:13 to 27. On that occasion, Peter does make his infamous denial of Jesus, and that's what's caused him to be set apart from the other disciples in the denial. Incidentally, the certain young man of Mark chapter 14 verses 51 and 52 is only found in these two verses. Why did Mark only include this incident without explanation? Many have conjectured that Mark is referring to himself there. Really, there is just no way of knowing for certain. This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletrack.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Fayette Bible Church, Paul Walker.